0: Yeah, yeah,
1: Welcome back to Calling All Beings. I'm your host, DJ, along with the host of the most, my brother, Money Nathan, the technical director of this joint, the executive producer.
2: (laughs) Money Nathan, how are you, brother? I'm good, man. Uh, Doing well. Happy Monday, everybody. Kicking the week off here with some Bigfoot. Love it.
1: Yes. I'll tell you what. And you know what? She just got out of work, just escaped the last patient so she could come and hang out with Tim Dana. Talk a little bit about Bigfoot and find out what influenced these peoples. And you know, I'm talking about a study of UAPs. Debs.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm feeling like a future human today. It's like spring forward.
1: Oh, (laughs) my God. I'm going to tell you what, man. Michael Masters loves you, man. He does. Mm -hmm because of that man and we'll tell tim and dana who michael masters is uh ufo community bigfoot community coming together uh and look at that man this is my friend right here from tulsa oklahoma the bigfoot badass the og matt (laughs)
4: what's up what's up how you doing brother doing okay doing okay uh as it was stated an, an early week show not used to this, but it, it's nice for a little change of pace. That's right. We mix Get it up. Get rid of
1: that daylight savings time, baby. We don't need that. Yeah, we don't
4: need that stuff.
0: Mm-mm.
1: No, we don't need Don't come around no more. Uh, and Matt, man, Matt and I talked about something that the cabbies are working up. Probably won't happen until this summer, but we'll we'll have a, a pretty huge show. It looks like uh, based on the contact that we made and, uh, and we'll be streaming it on both channels. It'll be pretty dope.
4: A Uh, a big extravaganza.
1: Can I get ahead? But uh, but right now, I want to introduce these folks who we had the pleasure of meeting as a result of interviewing Mr. Matthew Knapp who is uh, is the quickest person to make it into cab <laughs> since Nathan and I <laughs> Like
2: a, a day one acceptance letter just I'm
4: telling you what, that's what happens minute, when man. you leave the door open <laughs> I just slide right in the back seat it's true got to watch it
1: it's like us going to scout for football and we see you, go, you know we head down to the field and we watch this guy this left tackle and he pancakes like four people in a row and we're from OU and we're like yep we'll take him bring him over here man we're going we're going to get that letter the letter of intent all right <laughs> So on that show, we had uh, this, these, uh, this author, uh, these two authors, uh, they're also uh, husband and wife, and they were just came up with excellent questions. I'm like, look at this, man. he's coming up with better questions than me. Love these people. I listen to their podcast. They're on, a, I think it's the unknown radio network. We're going to ask them about it here in a second, but uh, it's an honor to have these guys come on for a fireside chat where we're going to interview him for a little bit. And then we're going to go around the table. So put your hands together for Tim and Dana Halloran. Hey,
5: yeah. Yay. Hey everyone. Um, Hi guys. <laughs> I don't
0: know how we can hey, beat that intro. I'm
5: serious.
0: <laughs> Such an what honor to be here with this group. Yeah. We're here with, with this is like, like, Media Legends here on on the podcast <laughs> with, so.
1: Nah, nothing like that. We're just a bunch of jokers that come on here. We do a little bit of fun, a little bit of seriousness, and then we do a little bit of fun, a little bit of seriousness, and it looks like an electrical sine waves so if you know what I'm talking about alternating current. Uh Absolutely. So here the podcast the interviewers get interviewed. I know. And- I know what
5: do you have to talk about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but well, it's alright. So I I heard another pod that you guys were on where Tim you said that Dana
0: got you into this topic is this correct? That is one hundred percent correct. She she's <laughs> the one who hooked me in. Yeah, five years ago I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have been here. You know. And do you want to get into how she did that? <laughs> Please. So want, go ahead yeah, go. so yeah, I'm go ahead. like the
5: bigfoot. I'm like the she, bigfoot person. Like I've always was. been interested in the yeah. subject. Watched all the shows. You like Monster Quest and. um, you know uh finding bigfoot and just anything that i could watch um for a while there had our son gabriel our youngest really interested um but now he's 19 and in college and studying biology and he's you know obviously becoming uh what do you call it less
0: meldrum no i'm just kidding yeah maybe (laughs) there's a joke when we interviewed jeff we we have another son who's uh he's he just he's getting ready to get his phd and we uh we tried, we were joking with him and then Jeff, uh, Dr. Jeff Meldon, we said, Hey, we're going to try to get our son to come up there and postdoc you either, there. but <laughs> neither. I mean, Jeff probably would have done it, but our son wasn't. Interested. No.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to the story. So, um, I, you know, just kept on asking Tim, I really want to go to a Bigfoot conference and he's like, okay, fine, whatever you want. So, um, we went to the Ohio Bigfoot conference. And wow, we really picked a good one oh to gosh, go to for yeah. our first time. And we just kind of like got embraced by everybody there. I don't know what that was all about, but um, yeah, it was it, was it was really cool because like I got to see. I got to see. So like Dr. Thanks, Jeff man. is like my. uh yeah he's He's like my uh what do you call it
1: crush guru rabbi my my bigfoot crush
5: (laughs) (laughs) my man crush (laughs) and so he um i guess it was like our first day when we just arrived so we're at the lodge we're going to check in and oh my god guess who's there checking in too (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm busting jokes with him.
5: I'm like, oh, Tim, come and, here, because Tim has no idea who this. Well, I knew who was. he was, but I didn't right. know
0: how. You know, but am so so like Tim,
5: I'm, come here, come here, come here. I'm like, please, <laughs> that's Doctor Chaff. <Jeff. laughs> oh my god! And so then he goes over there and starts talking to him. I felt like I was in high school again. You know, like, oh my god, no, don't talk to him. <laughs> oh my god! So he started talking to him, <laughs> and then I came over and I just said something really goofy and stupid.
0: Yeah, what well, I, 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 I don't know. I I said that I um I said I told him I said you you kind of look familiar. What's your name? <laughs> Knowing that he's you know we're at a Bigfoot conference and and he kind of laughed yeah. and chuckled, but yeah, but we just got um it was an interesting week. I mean we we kind of stood out, I guess, because we weren't bigfooters and um we yeah I
5: had no idea how to dress for a Bigfoot conference zero
0: (laughs) do i wear heels do i wear a wedge
5: i didn't do i need a cocktail dress for like the vip dinner event you know like i just didn't know do i wear
0: furry feet you know there's like people
5: in like flannel shirts and you know holy jeans at the vip event so we were we probably stuck out a little bit Mm -hmm. because we we needed to basically go to like shopping at columbia (laughs) <laughs> like and that's pretty much the the attire. Everybody yeah. is uh, very like hiking, outdoorsy kind of dress. So that's probably why we stuck out.
1: So Nathan, write that down. It's not uh, it's not Eddie Bauer. It's Columbia Sports. Maybe even REI. Okay. I, I I would. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we have an here.
5: REI not yeah. that far away. I guess like an hour and a half away. But Columbia for us is like the closest. Oh, uh, I love Columbia Sports, man. Yeah. I have one.
1: I have one. One follow up though that I want to ask. You. I think this is a. It, it's a general question, but I want to ask you this, Dana. And the reason I, I want you to think about this, of all these different phenomena, you know, we we there are UFOs, there are cryptids, there are there's the ghost community. They're very closely related with us. And then of course there's Bigfoot, which I think I, I, it's kind of its own its own subset of cryptids. I don't think of Bigfoot community as cryptid community. I think they're kind of like Two separate communities that are that can join. What is it about Bigfoot that resonated with you that you said I was into it? What is it about this creature that drew, draws you in? It's a good question. That is
5: a good question. We need to remember this to write it down for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. We'll, get,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll bring DJ in to ask that We're one question. Be like, every write podcast. that
5: down. That was really good. <laughs> but that is Thank a great you, question. So you, I think the thing with Bigfoot that resonates so much with me. Um, because I, you know, obviously I have a pretty open mind, but I'm definitely not like a, like a tinfoil hat wear and kind of, you know, Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry if any of you guys, Hey, wait, tinfoil hat can mean lots of things, right. right? No, I'm like, Oh, I'm cool with the, with the UFO situation, but back to Bigfoot, you know what it is? There's just so much evidence. Um, and the, the most compelling evidence we have is a foot, like footprints, lots of footprints, who podiatrists couldn't even fake. You know, you you have somebody like like Dr. Jeff uh, Meldrum, yeah. who's, you know, uh, 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 who specializes in bipedal locomotion and the study of it and anthropology. So, I mean, he, they're not fake, okay? So like, if you're in your, if you go for a walk in your backyard and you see like a bear print, you're gonna be like, oh my God, there's a bear here. I never saw a bear. I never heard a bear, but I know there's a bear because there's a footprint of a bear. So why can't we just think like that with Bigfoot? We have footprints that don't belong to any other animal, right? Why can't we just say there's something there? We don't know exactly everything about it, but we can tell a lot by a footprint and you can tell how, you know, how it walks. You can tell how much it weighs, you know, how tall it is more or less. Um, So that for me, that's what really does it for me. Are the footprints.
1: We'll get we'll 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 circle back to this because it actually because I'm gonna I got to turn this over to Nathan and we got to get Debs and we got to get Madden. So I can't hog up any more of this. But it it it's even before that. It's even before the evidence. There's something about this creature yeah, that through. drew you in even yeah. before all okay, the evidence. Okay, you're right. Ooh, you are so, so, so good. That's okay though. But let's. We'll continue. We'll circle back. We got time, but let me get, let me get the money man in here. Cause he knows how to ask some questions. <laughs> well, only, uh... The day they taught asking bad
2: questions, he didn't show up to class. <laughs> I just skipped that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to piggyback on your question, DJ, because I, I, I would like your perspective having gone to these con- conferences and met so many of these folks who had experiences, who are doing the research, doing the investigations what is it about the the personalities of these individuals that that stands out to you? Because I mean, just like with UFO folks, there doesn't seem to be a common thread, and I would I would bet it's probably true in your community as well. But uh, is there anything that you, you could say is common about their, is it openness? Is it their curiosity? Like what, what is it that uh, that brings these folks together?
0: I mean, I can jump in, I guess. Yeah, I, and I mean, and Nathan, I'll say, we're going to open this up. This is our community. Anything unexplained should be one love big it. community. That's what we, that's how yes, we that's feel. That's right. So. Perfect answer. Um, yes. You know, I I, I think, uh, and Matt, obviously Matt can attest to this probably better than any of us here on the call. Um, we, I think Probably sixty, no, I don't know, about sixty percent, but at least half the people had an experience and then it got them into it, and then the other half, uh, I think they they got hooked on watching it, it on TV or it's, it start you know back to when they watched In Search of as a kid and something piqued their curiosity, or we hear a lot, a lot of the folks I interviewed for the book said it was, uh, the you know the the Legend Boggy Bal- Creek movie they saw it in the drive-in theater and and it, it got them fascinated. And I, I think, for me, I think that's what I see would be the common thread. Would yeah. be is experience. That what you, is yeah. that what
5: you wanted, Nathan? Is that what you're looking uh, for? Because uh, I, I, I got the impression
0: that was that a personality it was, type. No, something. it
5: was like, like I would say, 95 percent of the people there are outdoors people. Mm. There are people who are mm. loved hiking, love fishing, hunting, farming, and obviously having those kite types of hobbies is probably what led them to either have a sighting or a sound or something, or just to make them curious about nature in general. Um, But I would definitely say 95% of the people, like we love hiking. Hmm. Um, And even if it was a
0: roadside crossing, which are 50% of the sightings, Mm -hmm. Those are still in rural areas. So if you, you see a roadside crossing, you're you're probably an outdoors person because you're there for a reason.
5: So the huge thing I think they all have in common is they are outdoors
2: people. Mm. And that's so rare today, right? Yeah. I mean, we're spending so much time inside. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, for folks who are willingly getting out there and getting into nature, uh, that's becoming a rare and rarer thing uh, today. So that's, uh, that's, that's a great answer. I love that. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you hadn't noticed, there's a campfire going right underneath Dana.
3: <laughs> is there? Where is it? Oh, my God. Look, you can look at the bottom of the screen. I can dry my nails. I just painted them. Yeah.
1: And if you <laughs> your boots and stuff. All right, Debs, go ahead, my friend.
3: Yeah, I was hoping that maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the book that you, you um, put together and maybe some of the theories that were in that book that might draw people in interest-wise.
5: Yeah, and guys, let's just... For the record, Tim wrote the book. I'm not the author of the book. I'm just like the the inspiration and
0: she yes yeah. and, she, and the
5: podcaster with him, but he wrote the book all on his own so I know
0: but she she inspired me so it's we're a team we're still up. <laughs> so uh I mean Deb, we could talk so much about uh so let's start with um. I guess you the, you want to start with the theories of the people in the book or you want to start with how we came up with the book, how I came up with the idea of the book?
3: Well, honestly, as an outside observer of someone who hasn't studied as much about Bigfoot, everything is interesting, right? Like, okay. so we just don't know about the big people. We don't know like who Dr. Jeff is to everybody, you know, things like that. Um, so anything you want to tell us, I'm, I'm also just more interested in the theories that they might've talked about too, so...
0: Right. And that's an amazing question, which kind of leads right into ro- why I wrote the book. So, you know, after a few years, um, we got to we we just became kind of we came, became friends with a lot of these people. And and um, we were at a, we came back from a conference once and I I started listening to podcasts. And we obviously we, you know, we started watching more, you know, more documentaries and things on TV and wherever we could grab it. Listen to Matt's I mean, uh, Matt started listening to Matt's podcast every single week. You know, which is it's it's a, it's a no-brainer there. Bigfoot Crossroads for everyone who doesn't know that. Um, Can I get an amen? And amen. Um, one day I just had this idea, Deb. I said I was fuss- Now I wasn't frustrated, but as a quest, I, I I would hear somebody on a podcast, and I said, "Who is that?" I had no idea who it was, and 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 then I said, "How come I don't know who this person is? How would I get ramped up to really figure out?" Who are all these people are? Just like the question you just asked, who's Dr. Jeff? Obviously, there's a few that I got to know. But um, so I said, wouldn't it be great to start? Of course, I couldn't get it all in one book, but have a book where anyone, if you're new into this subject, if you're just interested, or if you're seasoned and, and want to learn about who's doing the research or who's, inf- and that's where the title is, who's influencing the subject. Uh, so it, it opens up not just to, of people doing research it could be you know however you're influencing the subject whether you're a tv host or a guy like les stroud survivor man who's a, who we interviewed for the book and um so and that's we also kind of, interviewed him on the podcast yeah, too which is yeah, really yeah, cool yeah yeah so so that's how it started and that's mm-hmm. how we came up with the idea uh, we can later talk about you know the title and that experience how we got it going but i think um Theory. So, you know, the concept of the book, Deb, was um, I I asked to interview style book. So every chapter is uh, an individual. And then I've got a ton of other stuff blended in uh, the The publisher and and actually the uh, creative art of the book. And also he's in the book is uh, Doug Highcheck. And mm-hmm. for the audience who may not know who Doug Highcheck is, he's a. Uh, well, he's the producer of Monster Quest. Uh, he's also the producer of the their documentary Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. Uh, he's the producer of Mysterious Encounters. Uh, and that's just a few things. I mean, he's got a resume that's insane in, in, the, in the movie, in the, in the production. I mean, he's to study uh, and film wildlife animals. So, he's a hunting
1: guide from Minnesota, too. So, very, yeah. very experienced outdoorsman.
5: So I th- so Deb, you wanted to know, like, the question you asked him was: the
0: theories, yeah. What are
5: the theories? The general theories mm-hmm. of some of the people that mm-hmm. you interviewed of the existence of Bigfoot? Was that your question, Deb?
3: Yeah, that's the part that I, I found most intriguing reading about the book. Yeah, I would right. like to. So, but, that's what but what I know it's so, a long theory. answer. <laughs> so, well, <laughs>
0: I know. Well, but I kind of want, and I'm sorry, Deb. It's it's I get a little passionate about it. I was. Uh, I was trying to, through that process, I I had a list of questions I asked everybody. And some of them, everyone got some of the same questions. And that, where it comes, the theories come in. And and one of the questions I asked everybody, I think everybody, Mm -hmm. and some of the questions were related to that person's background, uh, was, you know, what do they think, if what's their theory on what they think Bigfoot are? So you'll see in my first book, uh, because there's going to be volume two, you're probably going to see, um, what we'll say most of what they call flesh and blood, uh, um, but that doesn't mean where they're from, but most of the folks I have in the book are, are flesh and blood. Although there's, I didn't want to solely do that. And it wasn't, it wasn't by choice. When
5: you say flesh and blood,
0: it means by, they think Bigfoots are biological. These guys are, yeah. Like,
5: um, some people believe that Bigfoots are just biological, and other people believe that there's something um, uh,
0: more to them than that, f-
5: like some sort of unexplained phenomena that goes with them, whether it be that they're, they come from UFOs or they go into a different dimension or so. We uh so you were talking about the general theory. What is right. the common theory of well, it, a lot of the influencers of what Bigfoot
0: was? Of, of the of the, is, sorry. the ones in the book, most of them think it's a biological creature, uh an un an, you know, unidentified or undiscovered uh primate. Mm-hmm. Uh could be giganthopithecus, could be paranthropus, could be some other type of close something closer to us that they don't know. You know, and then we had folks like Ron Moorhead and, and who, who believes that there was alien intervention, uh, maybe before we even came around. And, and there's something with the, with the, there's an alien genome, then there's something that connects us and, and every, everything that's going on there. You know, and then we had other folks who still might think it's biological, but they don't want to be closed minded to it because they've seen things, you know, whether they're orbs or UFOs or UAPs, you know, at, in the same areas. So they, you know, they, they don't want to be totally closed minded to it um, and others don't want to hear it. So I had a kind of uh, a, a mix of 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 individuals in the book. But I think probably 65 percent of them were 70 uh, percent. I were would say ap- more, you know, biological or say they call them apers or whatever. Eight, <laughs> you know, I would say like yeah. 80. Yeah, like it's it, Ron it,
5: is a super cool dude. He has the theory of, uh, you know, what do they call it? Woo.
1: Well, it could be. I mean, I be. mean but the, woo is, yeah. woo is just something to attach a, a certain, uh, oh, if that person's woo, that means they're into kind of the weird aspect of right. whatever phenomenon you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it can be Thank used you. as to to sort of uh, take away value from what that person's opinion is. Right. What I'll say is this. If are there humans that are able to no kidding, connect with spirits, connect with and like act as, as a medium, are there humans that are proven they can do these things? Sure. So there's some humans that have these extraordinary abilities that perhaps I don't have or Nathan or Deb or Matt doesn't have or you guys don't have. There are those humans.
0: I don't is know. It within I can the hear realm what you po- right now. Is it within
1: the realm of possibility that Bigfoots, some of them may have abilities that others don't have? Is that within the if we if 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 possibility is a gigantic cube, mm. is it possible? It's possible. That's. That's the thing. Of course, it's flesh and blood. People have found feces. Matt has found tracks. People have seen them, smelled them. Some people have been physically struck by them, right? So so we know that it exists. But does that mean that's the entire story? The answer is we don't know. I mean, I, I can't imagine there's somebody that knows. So at least if we leave open the door, just because there are humans that have abilities that we all don't have. Maybe it's within us, but we're not able to cultivate it. Well, maybe Bigfoot's the same. So. With that, let's pass it over to Matt Knapp, and then we'll get to Julie's question for you. Julie's in our chat. Hello, Jewel of Indiana, who had a Bigfoot sighting as a child in Indiana. But anyway, go ahead, Matt, sir.
4: Oh, geez. I was just enjoying listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's Matt. <laughs> sorry, it's time to go to work. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, first off, congratulations on the success of the book. Uh, thank if you, I'm, thank you, I'm thank not you. mistaken. You guys got a, was it book of the year in the Bigfoot world? Um,
0: no, well, no, the, well, the, the from the International Cryptozoology, uh, muse- uh, museum or Cryptozoo News, up gave in up Maine.
5: the mm-hmm. hominology
0: book of the year, and then, um, so, well, some uh, Steve Calls and Squatch DD TV gave it the book of the year, but so yeah, it's it's great, it's yeah, awesome, you know, it's, it's, thank you no big deal, you know. Well, it's it, you know, it's a it's, the book's really about everybody, <laughs> it's, it's a unique yeah, book, yeah, it's really it just is, just like
5: we were you know talking, like, um, I, I think Deb mentioned that she didn't know who Dr. Jeff Meldrum was, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you might not know who Peter Byrne is or Lauren Coleman, but if you start to get interested in the Bigfoot world and you go to conferences or you see a documentary, you, you got like a, you know, like a, like a chapter on that person. And so now you know who they are.
4: How did you guys uh, choose uh, who you were going to feature in the book? That's a good question. Yeah, that was, Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for the most part,
0: I I pirated names from from like you, we'd like to listen to your podcast or something. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I, I would hear I would hear them and I was, and and or you know on on or we'd see them on TV. So you you obviously you can come up with a, a, a your generic list, right? And um, you know there's there was some I asked uh, you know I I would ask a couple other people that I knew or I'd go to Doug Highjack or Matt Pro to say hey you know just get their idea. They obviously it's my book I can put uh, whoever. I wanted in there. And then it was almost like dialing for dollars. Uh, I hate to say that because <laughs> i I've got I had about ninety or so people listed, and now there's more. So it was really who who I could get. I mean, obviously I had a few that I said had you know I had to find a way to get Dr. Jeff Meldrum in the book. and and Peter Byrne, who's ninety seven years old, uh, that was that was pretty important for me to get him in the book. Um, and he's still doing great. Yeah. Uh, but i I thought that was I guess he was ninety six probably when I talked to him. Um, so then I just kind of went down the list and whoever could get a hold of, I got, we got some nos um, that just scheduling didn't match up. Um, and then, uh, others, uh, you know, I think I only had one person that, uh, that did not want to be in the book. Um, and that's because they, they did not want to be involved in the subject anymore. So I 100% respect that, had a, a lifelong conversation with that person. And, um, and you know, that was interesting. So, so yeah, that's kind of how it was, Matt. I just kind of Went down the list and now, you know, and then, I, you know, already have enough for a couple more books from the first list. So I'm just kind of working through that now. Who stood
4: out like the most to you, would you say out of everybody that you talked to and interviewed that had maybe uh, the most uh, influential uh, (laughs) thoughts on the subject for you personally? (laughs) Yeah, that's so tough because I've
0: been asked that question before. And and sometimes even like when Dana and I do the podcast, it Changes every week. Yeah, because cause we're like, oh
5: my God, he was so cool or she was so awesome. And you know, then you know, then you're like, oh my god, we're never really gonna meet
0: here. Oh, thank you. Julia. we never...
5: <laughs> hey girl. Um
0: <laughs> there, uh, you, I don't know. So I that's for such me, tough...
5: I know what it is oh, poor... for mine. Because oh. as a as a podcaster interviewing, he's Ron. It was definitely Ron Moorhead. Yeah. So he's which was because I'm definitely like um, you know, like uh like when it comes to Bigfoot, I really believe that, that it's just biological. Um but you know, Ron opened my mind a little bit. And he's just a really cool dude. Like, like super spiritual, super um kind, full of love, kind of like was I was really impressed with Ron Moorhead
0: yeah and it there's so many i i can't pick one that i wish i could And that sounds like so political right now that oh i'm playing the middle i'm not gonna pick one <laughs> but <laughs> i remember but you know what some some one that kind of didn't surprise me um diane uh stocking yeah. which is not um she because she's on the outside you know she's kind of a tough tough woman if if, if you don't know her and and that's mm-hmm. great i love it and i wasn't sure Uh, you know, not that I was, that I was timid about interviewing when I did the book, I just didn't know, know how it was going to go. And she is the best.
5: She is the best. It was
0: so fun. And I was just, we just had a blast.
5: Yeah. It was cool.
0: And, and we, every single interview, I had a different dynamic and, uh, just had a bunch of fun interviewing everybody. There's a couple, couple that I had a lot of fun. There's a gentleman by the name of Tom Shea in Kentucky and Thomas is great, but he's, he was, he sometimes, and I told him this, I joke with Tom. This, I said, he's tough. He's, I don't, you know, I don't think he's camera shy because he's, but he's totally different in person than when you get him on the phone. Oh my God. He's like, yeah, Yeah. there's a couple, there's just a bunch. So I'll tell you what, uh,
1: Julie's question was basically that what Matt just asked you. So Jules, we'll, we'll get you in during the, uh, during the fireside chat portion, which we about to launch into right now. So, um, so in this part, um, Nathan, I guess I could start with one. It's, it's fairly general and then it's going to go through Tim and Dana first and then it'll go down through Nathan, Deb and Matt, and then it'll just keep going in a circle yeah. unless you guys want to introduce your topic first. We actually no, we could do. We,
0: you you, you want to do DJ? Yeah. Okay. Cause Dana right. doesn't know about this yet.
5: I don't know how to play this game. Oh no, it's just, it's, I forgot got <laughs> one. If
1: you have one topic that you would like us all to consider, you would throw that topic on the table now. I would answer it, Nathan, uh, Debs, and then Matt, and then I, and then it would be my turn, and I would give a topic, and everybody will will. Okay, will speak so you to
5: start. It. You start, DJ. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, my question for you guys, and this will kind of get to where we were. It was, what aspect of Bigfoot do you find the most intriguing yet? has been the most difficult for you to believe and why? And I'll we'll start with you, uh, Tim and, and Dana.
5: What was the question? Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So the first part which, was...
1: which. Okay, so which aspect of, of Bigfoot do you find the most intriguing? Yet, it was the most difficult for you to believe. So in other words, when someone told you, hey, we have a lot of evidence that Bigfoot is x or or does x or is capable of x and you're like wow man i that that freaks me out
5: i got it so for me and and we're going right back to the ron moorhead uh interview that we did for him on our podcast ron moorhead has audio of bigfoot chatter Mm -hmm. that by far Cause I would have never thought, okay, Bigfoots communicate verbally, you know, beyond, you know, like with Damn. words or a language, you know, obviously right. there's, you know, normal primate sounds. And so when I heard the audio and looked into it more, I was totally freaked out. Like I, I, I speak fluent Italian, um, obviously. So I'm bilingual. Hey, right. But, um, Paisan. Hey, right. <laughs> So anyway, back to the story. So let's not get lost in Italy because it's such a cool, cool place. <laughs> but um, and I also taught English as well, um, living there, which is good because that's my mother tongue, right? So, um, and you, I could tell by listening to this chatter that it was a language, just from teaching English to people of all different types of languages and knowing more or less how their languages work. And also, then having like I think some like an expert, basically, mm-hmm. who was that?
0: Scott Nelson. Scott Nelson, you so good. Yeah.
5: So what did yep. Scott Nelson do?
0: He's a crypto linguist, and he's from the Navy. Right, from the Navy.
1: Yep.
5: And so those guys fly around. To... They
1: listen, and they they listen to languages, and they basically translate, uh, gather intel that way.
5: So he knew that. He confirmed that this was not uh, some kind of mumbo-jumbo garble that somebody's faking. It it actually has aspects to it, patterns to it, that represent a real language. So, yeah, for me, that was the that was that that answers what was the second part of the question
1: That's probably that enough. that was it i mean you you answered it it's just something you you were you were surprised that they could actually have a language because that takes them from oh you know just like a gorilla just huffing and puffing around the zoo or around their natural habitat to they're actually communicating and maybe speaking about ron and his group over there so tim do you have do you have an answer for that real quick
0: yeah i'll try to make mine a short and and okay.
5: don't be caddy <laughs>
0: um <laughs> You, I, you know it might sound weird but you know for me when i when you first when you you see the patterson Gimlin film the first time i go back to when i was a kid and you're like maybe when i was a kid i thought that was it was it was it but then later you know as you got older and looked at it before i was really in the subject you look at it and like that's just a person in the suit and that's that's the first thing that comes to your mind and then and there's still days i look at that and i'm not 100 i don't think any any of us can ever be 100 on that because we weren't there um and and then just but then listening and and listening to all the evidence that was collected around that and and having people like bill munns and dr jeff meldrum and and other folks who've 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 broken down that film and they show muscle patterns and just different Mm -hmm. things that it's a head scratcher it really is and i and we we talked to a primatologist dr esteban sarmiento who's uh He's seen some weird things out there, too, but he's not he's he won't come out and, and say Bigfoot's uh, biological creature or anything because until he sees one. But he said there's enough. He said there's enough in that film from his experience to not have an answer. It's it, There's not enough to say it's real and there's not enough to say it's it's fake in so, his mind. Yeah. Yet. And you
5: guys know what the Patterson Gimlin film is, right? The, oh,
0: my God. Yeah. The one from 1967. I, mean,
5: studied... I just yeah. want to include all of your viewers because I know. Mm-hmm. But it's important to know it's that old film from back in the day that that scientists are looking at it and re-imaging it and being like, This is not somebody in a costume.
1: Yeah, I don't want to put a percentage on it. I would have to I would be far, far less likely to get anyone to convince me that someone could put a suit on and do that in nineteen sixty seven. I just don't believe it. So I don't want to put a percentage because I I believe in God. I haven't seen him. You know what I mean? I mean, you believe in a lot of things that I believe that film is genuine. And that's, a, you know, the way that those guys came upon that, the shock when he's falling off the, you know, falling off the horse and, you know, getting up and trying. I mean, it's exactly, you know, it's a genuine reaction. And, and then when you put all the other evidence together that they were two cowboys from Yakima, that came, you know, like they, uh, Tom Contrell says, came 600 miles when they could have just gone in the woods in Washington and probably found one if they would have known. But anyway, let's go to uh, money Nathan with that question. Nathan, what's what is the most interesting thing, the most difficult for you to believe, and uh, and and why?
2: Yeah, that's a good one. I, you know, I'm I'm pretty open minded to a lot of the uh, aspects of Bigfoot, the different theories. Um, one that really intrigues me the most, though, is the sort of mind speak aspect that some people report that they you know have seeing a bigfoot or or you know but then they're hearing things in their head uh and, and it seemed to be associated with the encounter and so that's a big one for me uh would definitely love to get your thoughts on that but um i don't know if i can go back to them or or i should pass it uh, to to
1: uh, do it however you want to do it so. yeah i
2: would love to get your take on that from from what you've heard
5: the,
1: uh, the, the
2: in
5: regard speak. to the mind speak i mean we yeah. have one witness you know when we talked to Diane stocking yeah who's like um so she's a researcher and she's just like a she's like uh how do you describe diane she's very direct very matter of fact pleasant person very pleasant but there's no like you know sweet you know sweetening anything with her
0: yeah Yeah,
5: yeah so she and she does she also comes across to me as somebody who doesn't get scared easily so she had her she was having an experience mm-hmm. where she was hearing or hearing things. She followed, up her. On,
0: she followed up on a witness, a witness report and she went in the woods or went. she wasn't even in the woods, she went to go. She went to the site where the, the, uh, this incident, they were teenagers. And as she's walking there, she could hear, she got that feeling of dread and she could hear something says, turn around and get the heck out of here.
5: So she wasn't, it's not like somebody was speaking in her head, but she did get, a feeling of I need to not do this. And we're talking about like a pretty brave lady, um, and you know, serious researcher. Um, so she's like, I don't know why I turned around, but I just did. So if you want to include that in with mind speak, I don't know. It could be well, infrasound, right. it could be, you know, who knows? Rick
1: Rick Taylor, uh, Rick Taylor, Les Stroud a couple of times. Well, uh, Les, many yeah, other people.
0: It's just yeah, Les Stroud so, had the same thing. Yep.
1: It, it to, to for a researcher to say, hey. I don't believe that's a thing is like saying people saying, Hey, there's no such thing as UFOs. Well, guess what? Now we have 30 pages of legislation about studying UFOs. But if I would have asked you that three years ago, people, UFOs, not a thing. Yeah, so, and, and
0: I, I think we Lester don't know a, what's that?
1: <laughs> no, the, the thing oh, yeah. is, is we just, you can't say it's not a thing. You could say, I haven't experienced it.
0: I haven't seen it. It's possible. Now Matt Mays ha- has had. I mean, Matt's had some interesting things going Matt on who? Out there. Matt, oh, um, this but, Matt. Yeah, oh, I mean, we've had some we mats have so in the many oh, Matts in our Matt, life.
5: Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
5: <laughs> but <laughs> you're, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Matt, Matt. Matt.
4: Very popular name in the Bigfoot
5: world. It, it is. God bless it him. is.
1: All right, uh, Debs. Most interesting, uh, intriguing aspect <laughs> about Bigfoot that you learn, but most difficult to believe.
3: Well, I think for me, I have a little bit of trouble with the portal dimensional thing, um, simply because I think that they're flesh and blood. Also, um, there's a lot of lot of reasons to think that. I even think, you know, the mind speak works because it's infrasound. That's what I think. It's all like really explainable to me. But the portal thing, I I kind of go towards like what Micah Hanks said about it that they just are really good at camouflage. Hmm
0: i yeah. just say it could be both biological yeah. and they you know. <laughs> well ron moorhead i'll go back ron moorhead thinks it's quantum physics where it's energy you know and then others think they like there's some type of thing to where they can you know camouflage themselves really well you know kind Almost of like, like an octopus right Or yeah. like the you know the predator mm-hmm. everyone always goes back to that but uh, mm-hmm. which may be at the extreme but th- definitely interesting Or them just
1: living in their environment and becoming so at one with their environment that they know subtleties of how to hide, especially hiding with motion, uh, not moving is one is the biggest thing. Uh, I mean, I was in the woods yesterday and I was like saying, man, I mean, I can't see eight feet into the brush here in Northwest Florida. So I don't know. It's, I think there may be multiple things at play to us. You know, I'm, you know, Leah asked me, Leah Prime, who's one of our cabbies, asked me at the UFO conference whether I thought there was any aspect to Bigfoot which was not just simple biological humanoid slash half human, half animal living in the woods. And I said, well, there's no evidence that we have that says it's anything more, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't more to the story. That's I'd like the glowing eyes. We'll get to that. Uh, Matt. What's your take, brother? Oh, Gee, see, I had
4: an answer, and then you said the glowing eyes. I'm <laughs> sorry, brother. Go oh, ahead. Man. Man. Do your thing. No, Do your no, whole thing. I don't know which one to pick. I've got pick a laundry both. list, man. I've got a laundry okay. list. Uh, okay. As a podcast host, um, I feel for my personal uh, show that I like to remain neutral. I allow the guests to share their thoughts and their beliefs and their opinions. It's all about them. Very seldom, anymore at least, do I give my own (laughs) opinions on things. But whenever it comes to the paranormal aspects, even though I grew up uh, experiencing paranormal events firsthand, I've always had a very difficult time with the paranormal stuff. And probably the biggest one of all is the ability to cloak themselves or turn invisible. Um, As I mean, if it is, Uh, flesh and blood, a physical being, then that means they can't do that. That's not how physical beings work. Uh, There has to be. So I guess it would basically be all the different subjects that make them, uh, if they can have that ability, then they have to be something paranormal or supernatural. They can't be flesh and blood as we understand it. And from my own experiences, uh, the physical evidence that I've personally found, along with the long history of physical evidence that you know these creatures have left, uh, what I saw with my own two eyes, what all witnesses describe. I mean, everything about them says they are from this planet and right in line with the primates that live on this planet. You know, they've got fingers and toes and two eyes and a nose and a mouth and hair and everything, Uh, breasts, reproduction, everything. Uh, So whenever you start talking about the ability to turn invisible or uh, the mind speak stuff, I I agree with what you said earlier that there are people that uh, apparently have abilities that we can't explain. So can Bigfoot have that ability? Maybe uh, some, but, but we don't even know if they're an animal or more towards human. You know, if you want to separate the two, you know, I understand that, you know, humans are animals, uh, so to speak, but I mean, there's just so much there, there's <laughs> <you're> really get <getting laughs> into an area here, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I'll just stick with the, uh, the ability to turn invisible at will to hide themselves because why didn't Patty do it then? Right. Good question. Yeah. i like I said, do they all have that
1: ability? We don't all have these some of these abilities. I don't know. I I just don't know. But but Nathan, I would just ask you as far as we have people that have been abducted by UFOs that we believe have so is that going through a portal? What does that mean, Nathan?
2: Yeah, that's uh and could that happen to Bigfoot? Yeah, I mean I I'm a little hesitant to respond because there, there's such a rabbit hole we can kind of go into right about the nature of reality itself. Right. And, um, you know, I, I was just thinking about this while everyone was kind of chatting as well. And that's the, the you know, t- to to animals which live in the forest. Right. If they could communicate with each other, which they do in some way that, you know, that we don't. But, you know, imagine them saying, you know, there's a creature out there that doesn't live in the forest and it can get from this place to this place really quickly. And it can travel through the air in these giant metal tubes and it can, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't it seems completely helpless in, 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 in the wild. Uh, they have it wears these clothes that it makes in these giant factories. Like, I mean, if you think about it from the other side of the coin, like human beings are pretty phenomenal and crazy and, and different. And the differences between human beings and creatures in the wild, are like incredibly extreme. Um, and I think, I guess where I'm going with that thought is just that there's a lot about the world that we, I think in the 20th century, 21st century, we've inherited as, as assuming that we've got it figured out. Like we kind of just know how the world is but there's a lot about the world that we that we don't know that there's a lot of mystery that that is still there and how things really interact and, and uh, you know we, we don't even understand how we how our consciousness works so there's a lot of assumptions that we bring with us to any any study any endeavor that I think are um, maybe a little too hasty, like they're really convenient and helpful and they, they work most of the time. But but the times which they don't work, which when, when you, when you ha- have a Bigfoot encounter, when you have a UFO encounter, it breaks your understanding of what is possible, right? And that's really what we're getting at with a lot of this phenomena is it changes the possibility space for for you. And when that changes, everything then becomes open on the table and up for debate. Can can uh, I have your cash app to Venmo you some money like right
1: now? <laughs> got, it. got it. So to, do you see why we, we do you see why we love Nathan over here at Cabs Tim and Dana? Do you understand?
3: All right.
2: Yes.
5: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. It's
1: your t- your turn, Nathan. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Yeah. So
2: I'm I'm going to ask, um, what would greater public validation of Bigfoot mean for you? and also for the world, um, in your opinion. Did you send that to Debs? Uh, Yeah, I guess. Who does that go to? Yeah, Deb. Let's start, Deb.
3: Okay. Well, I think that we would learn a little bit more about things that we've just kind of ignored, honestly. I think that's what we need to do. Um, I feel like we kind of ignore things and we kind of get caught in ourselves, Um, We're really absorbed with ourselves as humans and kind of discount a lot of the rest of the planet. Um, I think it would force us to do that less and be more open-minded to, you know, know, I I don't think a lot of people get the idea that there could be other intelligences, (laughs) you know, like they really can't get into that. Um, So I think that they would (laughs) be forced to be more open-minded about that. Yeah. Just adding another one. Deb said uh, I, love, I love that word. response. And adding and if, another one. If I can kind
2: of just quickly kind of jump in there on that, sure. just tag on to what you just said there, Deb. Um, there's a great book called uh, *Sapiens* by Oh Evolve. my god!
5: Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I it's love great. that. Book. It's
2: great, right? It's great. But when you're when you're reading it or listening to it, I, I, I listened to it because I was doing a lot of driving at the time, and even though you learn this when you're kind of going through school, but just hearing him kind of talk about it there was a time in in history where there were multiple human species that were coexisting on this planet together. Like, just think about that. Just think about that. Like other species, other intelligent hominids occupying the space that, that modern humans that we think of occupy, they, they had tools, they had language, they had culture and they aren't here anymore. At least that's what we think. Right. So um, that to me, like just kind of, Grappling with that and accepting that idea, like, really does open things up quite a bit. That's the especially against it.
3: I'm
2: I'm sorry, sorry. go ahead, Debs.
3: That was the book that taught me about the three foot tall people,
2: (laughs) right? The hobbits, right?
1: Deb loves the little people, man. I was talking about it, it when you put that against the backdrop that people today have difficulty getting along or just having an understanding with people who are of a different skin tone that are the same species as them or a different language they have a problem with. Imagine if it was a as Nathan was talking about, not a homo sapien, but, but perhaps an earlier version. Um, it, it, it's, and they probably were a lot better at it than we were. Matthew now. Oh,
4: validation, uh, for so many witnesses, uh, just the psychological effect that it would have, the impact that it would have on so many people, both positive and negative, uh, very positive for the people who have experienced these things. And I think uh, very negative for a lot of people who haven't. Uh, I think one of the, the biggest things about uh, a public validation of this thing's existence would be uh, the restructuring of the train of thought of everybody uh an ego shock so to speak and then uh going through an understanding of what they actually are and what it means to be human on this planet Uh, i can tell you from the people that i've talked to um and my own experiences uh, you know whenever i was going out in the field and researching you know, we've talked about language, uh, these things, having a language and being able to communicate, uh, vocally to one another beyond just, you know, rudimentary vocalizations, uh, there's culture there, there's society there, you know, what are their beliefs? Do they have religion? You know, things like that. Um, are they a type of people? So I think it would have a much greater impact than what people think about just on the surface, um, in the long run.
1: Matt, is it going? Is the fact of that there is a certain segment of society that does not want to see something that is covered in hair and potentially uh, has a certain odor to, to think of them that they could be on a level even close that they would deserve that kind of regard that we have for humanity? Is that an impedance to 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 this to that happening.
4: Don't we still have racism? Yeah. Good point. Fair enough. <laughs> Tim and Dana.
5: Good answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good answer. So do you want us to
0: go? Yeah, go ahead. You want me to go, thank you,
5: baby? Um, so <laughs> you guys are so <laughs> cute. They're so
1: adorable, Nathan.
0: <laughs> I think I think DJ and Nathan are gonna have to sit next to each other next episode. I know. <laughs>
5: That would be so
0: cute. We got to get DJ a wig though.
5: Yeah.
1: It shows (laughs) how much better looking than is than me when we're together in person. So it's it's difficult. It's challenging.
5: (laughs) So I, I, I think, um, what it would mean to me, um, you know, if there was some, you know, I mean, when you say greater public validation, I guess you mean like they found a body and we have like confirmation that it really exists
2: yeah, that In that sure. case, yeah. for
5: me, it would just, it, I don't know, I think it would satisfy my curiosity, but maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it would, I, there would be a just a bunch of more questions then. Um, so for, but for me, it would be kind of cool to go back to that dinner part and be like, you guys thought I was crazy. And now guess what? I told you Holmes. I told you how many, I mean, we were just at it out to dinner with some friends last night and they call us
0: Bigfoot hunters. (laughs) What
5: do they call us? They have like a name for us. Now people make fun of us, but you know, like the, the, the girl that was sitting across from me, who's a friend of mine, she was like, she kept on talking about Bigfoot as if it was just one Bigfoot. Do you know? Well, where does he live? (laughs) How does he, honey, there's more than just one, but anyway, I think for the world, I think it would be awesome. I think for the world it would be awesome because we will have discovered a new living being here on the earth. We would it would probably be great for uh environmental reasons because we would be protecting uh land that they live on, and you know, which is probably the reason what you were saying before, maybe why that might be something that is impeding the actual validation Mm -hmm. is how much just even in North America, it could change, you know, our landscape and how things were governed and forested and protected. Yeah.
1: You know, Nathan could do, he could do quite a bit if we, if we ask him to talk about the construct of human construct of time. But if I were to ask you what's changed in your life in the last 36 months, there may not be very much, but if we go back 36 months and talking about this specific incident with dinner and people having a laugh about Bigfoot and you guys interested in this topic. 36 months ago, Tucker Carlson would have had a laugh about this topic. I can send you a video that we found on Twitter today where he spends like 15 minutes talking about all that he's learned from the Navy, from the Air Force, from Department of Defense officials about uh, UFOs going into the water and exiting the water at Mach. So just think about that. When you think about hydrostatic drag and something like a a a a undersea going vessel. okay, USOs, as they call them. So that was ridiculous. Thirty six months ago. Ain't so ridiculous now because there's, as I said, 30 pages of legislation in this year's NDAA and an entire office stood up by the Pentagon and acknowledged publicly. So could be the same for Bigfoot. So they're laughing at you now. Just like they laughed at UFO people, they're not laughing now because people are talking about it. Even I work for the Air Force, people talk about it. (laughs) So you wouldn't have talked about it. I guarantee you wouldn't have talked about it during my career. And you wouldn't have probably talked about it three years ago either. But in something, I may be wrong about that, Nathan, about 36 months. It could be 24 months, but it's an entirely different landscape, this discussion, because every news, every major news network is carrying it. So yeah, that, no, that changing. should give you some hope. Uh, I guess it's down to uh, me to answer this question now. So, yeah, no, it. Me now. so uh, what I would say about this question is, um, you know, if you really, if you think that the landscape can change where you become the majority and not the minority, no longer the tinfoil hat wearing wacko that's uh, out talking about some hairy creature that probably doesn't exist because we all know that it, that it, it does exist. Uh, what I would say, and we had this discussion with my UFO friends about Bigfoot. Nathan was in on that conversation and I was looking at writing a letter to a Congressman named Tim Burchett of Tennessee, who I have heard. Uh, I, he has been an advocate for UFO disclosure, uh, openly, um, on the floor and at the lectern. And I have heard that he also believes uh, about the Bigfoot phenomenon. And I thought about I got his email address from a constituent, a friend of ours from the show, and I thought about writing him a letter, uh, and to try to get the ball the, the ball rolling on Bigfoot disclosure. And then I thought, wait a minute, maybe this isn't a good idea for Bigfoot, because what is essentially my interest in this topic? It's Bigfoot. Is it to prove it? No, I don't care about proving anything to anyone. Um, I don't have to prove anything to a a person that Bigfoot exists. Um, Do I need to them have to come out with a scientific name so that someone has to take one out and bring a body in? We attach a scientific name, we study the biology of it, and then yeah, okay, somebody's. We are the. They play. We are the champions from Queen. And we, we have an official announcement that it's Bigfoot, but is that good for Bigfoot? I am not sure that it is. And I'm saying, I'm I, I'm not saying I know that it isn't, I'm saying, I'm not sure that it is because then the natural inclination is you're going to get like that dentist who had to go over to Africa and shoot a lion and take a photo with it. So he could show it around the golf course. You're going to get those types that are going to be hiring, trying to hire these outdoor guides to go out and try to hunt and kill one and turn it into a rug that they can put on the the floor of their uh, other place. And I don't know that, that Bigfoot needs that. I don't think it necessarily needs public protection, necessarily. People poach now, right? So what's to say that even if they protect it, do you think he's just? They're going to say, "Okay, this national force, this belongs to Bigfoot." You think they're just going to say, "Oh, well, we'll stay there." They said, "This is us." <laughs> I mean, they're going to migrate and go where they want to go, where the food sources are in the water or whatever their migratory pattern is. They're going to continue to do that, whether the government recognizes them or or not. So my question is, is Bigfoot better off being? obscured, being not believed, being uh, uh, not recognized, or is it better that the government comes out and says, we have a body, we've analyzed it. We're going to call it this, this researcher brought in a body and uh, we're going to look at laws to protect it, which is going to be a whole nother thing we can argue about uh, in Washington amongst the other 77 issues that we can't agree on. This will be 78. And uh, does it have human rights? Does it not have human rights? Should it be protected? What areas should, should, should it be given? And then it's going to just go where it wants anyway. So I think the best thing is for it to do what it's been doing for maybe thousands of years, maybe tens or hundreds of thousands of years, we don't know, uh, and just remain in the master of the woods, anonymous, generally speaking, not harmful to humans, unless the right set of circumstances present themselves and they are few and far between. <sighs> I mean, I'm not sure, but I think that's probably the best thing uh is not to have a greater public validation. Probably, but that's that's a guess.
5: Yeah. Good point. Good answer. Yeah, I okay. so you on
1: um, who's next? Is it uh Matthew Knapp? No, it, or I'm sorry. I think or
3: was I think I... It's me.
2: Yeah, go for it, Deb.
3: Okay. So I was thinking a lot about conferences and podcasts and you know all the ways that we are presenting information to the public. And one thing that I've been thinking a lot about is what responsibility do we have when we do that and how can we be effective with that? So that's just something I wanted to brainstorm with other people who are doing that.
1: Can you say that one more time just to make sure we get it? What responsibility do we have uh, with regard?
3: Yeah, that's it. Um, What responsibility do we have and how can we be effective with our messaging when we talk to the public about the phenomenon and other um, paranormal topics?
4: Matthew? I think it's really up to the individual. Um, it, It depends on your purpose. Everybody has their own goal whether it be education or entertainment or just a hobby or just, you know, something you're just filling your time with. Uh, obviously, uh, the past few years have been strange for all of us in society. Uh, COVID has changed the world uh, and the direction people were headed. I've seen tons of people start up podcasts uh, because of COVID and, some of them got out and some of them didn't. Um, like I said, from, for my own self, uh, I'm just there to be kind of an advocate for the witness and getting their stories out there and allowing a platform for them to share their information, regardless of what that information is. Uh, in the specific field of Bigfoot, uh, for a long time, uh, if you had certain uh, claims that you were making, uh, you got shut down. A a lot of it got suppressed by the Bigfoot community itself. Um, you know, people talk about government suppression all the time and cover-ups and things like that, but the Bigfoot world does it too. Uh, and so I wanted to kind of change that a little bit, uh, especially with my own background and my own beliefs. I, I thought that would kind of have a larger impact. Uh, So I think sharing the stories without the censorship is extremely important. As a podcaster, as someone in the media circuit, as a researcher, I think you should stick with the evidence and let the evidence lead you and document everything and just leave it at that and not form opinions. Uh, I've always said and always been an advocate of letting the evidence speak for itself. And I think that's what researchers should do. Um, a lot of people don't really learn how to investigate or how to research and just jump into the field and start doing it and start doing their own podcast, putting their own information out there. And I think it's done a lot of damage. I think it's muddied the waters quite a bit and held us back from advancing, uh, with any type of answers or any types of real evidence that could be held to scrutiny. Um, so yeah, that, that's, uh. My final answer. <laughs>
1: Let me send that Matt- man a venmo yeah. Damn. Yeah. Great
4: I response. think Matt answered for all of us.
0: <laughs> Tim and Dana. I, I guess I can jump in. Yeah. I think it's similar to what Matt's saying. Uh, I think our responsibility is to uh because your theory is your theory. So it doesn't you know my theory could be different, and I don't really have theories because we're not researchers, but right. my theory could be different than yours. And it's just having the data and the evidence to 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 document and to show, to present your theory. And that's, I think you should do due diligence as Matt said, with that. And with, uh, you know, not just throwing ideas out without having, uh, you know, having something behind it. I think that's, that's number one. And then I think the biggest number one responsibility is which kind of piggybacks just don't, you know just tell the truth to your best ability. I mean, that you might be wrong but don't, don't make up things that aren't there. And I think that's, that's what hurts, you know, and some of it's, some of it's because people are just, they want the clickbait. They want the the, the the likes and things on social media. But I think just, I think that would be for me, the biggest responsibility for everyone. Just, just be ethical about it and, and be meticulous and, 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 you know, don't, don't, you know, be dishonest.
5: Yeah. And I would also say um, when presenting the information, you know, It's almost like it's like we're teaching in a way by, you know, bringing in people, interviewing them, hearing what they have to say. I think it's also important to keep things simple, you know, remind people what the Patterson-Gimlin film is, you know, this, you know, because I sometimes think, you know, when we're presenting information that a lot of this can sound like a completely foreign language for new people who are coming into the into the topic.
1: Uh, I also want to point out that uh, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, uh, the MCs are uh, the the uh, beautiful people you're seeing right there. Tim and Dana are, are going to be MCs at that event. Uh, when is that event? The o- the Ohio it's the the oldest Bigfoot conference.
5: It's the first weekend in May.
0: Did that? Did that public the way? What's that? Actually. It's fine. I didn't. I didn't and Tim's yeah. going to be yeah. presenting. Yeah.
5: I'm going to be at the booth <laughs> schlepping books. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I know I heard
1: it. So I, I that's yeah. why I heard it somewhere. So that's why I wanted to get that out there so that people know yeah, that are going am. to that conference. We actually have a friend who's going to be doing a UFO conference the following week at Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Fellow Ohioan uh, Kelly Chase. Uh, she's oh, the UFO rabbit hole. She's also an author like Tim. Her book is called The UFO Rabbit Hole. <laughs> so it's it's some some synchronicities here. She's the following week to your conference. She's going to be. A, and I'm going to tell you, man, if you would have told people again a few years ago that there was going to be a UFO conference at a hotel at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, they would have said, you are out of your mind, but I can take you to go talk to Deb, and she's going to put you in her psychologist chair, and, and everything's going to be okay. We're just going to strap down your hands. So, I mean, nobody would have believed they're going to have a UFO conference at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and they are. So, uh, especially if you didn't know, that's where uh, it's told that the Roswell wreckage was transferred from Roswell, New Mexico to, I think, Love Field in Dallas, and then from there up to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where there's all kinds of secret craziness going on there. So, uh, <laughs> Air Force Material Command. Uh, anyway, Matthew Knapp, what is your topic, my friend?
4: Um, let's go with why does the government suppress that these things exist? Um, I know you guys are obviously uh, familiar with Todd Neese, uh, very famous Bigfoot witness, uh, military guy, very respected in the military community, uh, had his sighting. During an actual exercise, uh, from the best of my recollection, he immediately reported it to his superior. We know that the government knows these things are out there. So why aren't they just saying like, yeah, these things are there? Why are they covering it up? And I'm going to I'll take this one first. Yeah, I want to say I'm really heartened
1: by the answer I heard from Cliff Barrickman on a podcast the other day about this topic. But the reason that there's so, I've told, you know, I've tried to sort of uh, bring government thinking to the, the to our show and to other shows that uh, people have asked me to be on or Twitter spaces is how they think. And the way they think is like if, if I were asking you to make a deal, Tim, I would say, uh, here's the deal I have for you. And the first thing you say is, how does that benefit me? Okay, what do and I, I even saw it. I watched Tulsa King last night with Sylvester Stallone, Let's uh, go. and and he said, yeah, he said, <laughs> you know, I get to like, what what's in it for me. So for the government, for them to admit that that Bigfoot is a thing, that Bigfoots are in forty nine of fifty states, how does it benefit their cause as a government, which is charged with safety, with security, with public trust? And with uh, basically uh, to, to to have uh, basically a calm among the people, anytime something happens uh, like balloons and so forth, the government now has to answer these questions. They don't want to answer these questions. So whether it's the REI industry, the hunting industry, everything that you've heard on other podcasts, that's true. So uh, as I explained to Brian from Bigfoot Odyssey, uh, I was on with him like a week ago, is. It's not a matter that they said, okay, this is what you will say, and this will be an order going all the way from the Department of Interior down to every state parks commission, down to the local county parks, et cetera, et cetera. It's not necessarily that way in a grand conspiracy. I heard a Florida Fish and Wildlife official uh, the other day, and I'll, I'll, I can't remember which podcast he was on, and he basically talks about graduating school, going out into the field with a very experienced officer on his first day. And I don't know if it was like the first week they had a Bigfoot encounter. And he said, look, you don't write it up in a report. You don't talk about it. You just see it and you ignore it. And that's where it goes. Don't take it any further than what you just saw. And I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. This gentleman is now 20 years down the road. He's training brand new officers. What do you guys think he said to those brand new officers?
5: The exact Don't same write
1: thing. It. Exact same thing. And he's had multiple Bigfoot sightings that he told about. Probably about five of them he told on the show. Um, and he told them, "Don't report it. Don't talk about it. Uh, it you see it and you forget it." Uh, I've also heard people that have gone to uh, one of the California schools where they train uh, California forest rangers and they have like a, a no kidding camp that you're, that you're in for like a month. I mean, even to where uh, the first few weeks, you're not even allowed to, to leave the camp unless you're with a member of staff. Someone came in and spoke to them about Bigfoot. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do, blah, 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 but they're not reporting it. So it's not in their interest. Uh, it could affect uh, how people would interact whether or not they would want to go hiking, do I want to go hiking in the Catskills? And I'm, I'm from Sullivan County, New York. Do I want to go up there? I mean, I heard there's a sighting. You know, they don't even know that the BFRO exists. Most people don't even. Whereas to us, it's like, man, I, every week you're on there checking. Are there new reports? So that's that's the answer to the question. It doesn't help their cause. It doesn't help inspire safety, public trust, all these sorts of things. It only makes. Uh, instills fear in people. But I like what Cliff Berrickman said. Mm-hmm. They're out there. They've been out there for many, many years. Don't not go in the woods because they're there. What is good to do is listen to podcasts like yours and Matt's and know what to do. Should you encounter one? So that if there does one, if there is a family, there, unit, and they're a little bit territorial and they're trying to get you to back off, recognize what that is, the way that you know, it when you see a mama bear and her cubs, and back off and maybe head head back the other direction or circle around in worst-case scenario. So that's why uh, I believe uh, it, it doesn't help anybody for them to admit that there's something out there that they have no control over. They probably have bodies, I'm sure, that they've looked at and scientifically know what it is. They're not in control of it, and they don't want to start a frenzy of people going out hunting these things where actually humans might get killed in, in the process of trying to hunt them. So that's my thought. Uh, Tim and Dana.
0: Do you want to take it or you want me to take sure, it? Sure.
5: I'll take it. So, I mean, cause this is definitely yeah. something that comes up in discussion just between Tim and I, um, and we've talked about it before and it recently came This question recently came to mind at the last Ohio Bigfoot conference. We were sitting at the VIP dinner, Mm -hmm. and we had a a person that we just met and told us of an experience that he had. Um, He didn't. He chose that he did not want to be on the podcast. He did not want to like come forward with who this who he was. But his quick story was he he was traveling on the highway, and saw saw a bunch of SUVs um, in the on the island of the highway. and they were all like positioned in a way. So they were blocking something that was on the ground. And he said he saw something really large and furry. And there were police cars and these black SUVs. And that's all he's, and he, you know, why would SUVs be there if it was just a bear? Or so the, the you know, the, the thing that I'm getting to is that it, it probably does happen. Um, that the government is suppressing this. Um, and I agree a lot with DJ in that um, it would cause a lot of unnecessary, or let's say necessary, but it's just something they'd want to avoid, chaos that they would just want to avoid if possible. And basically all the things that DJ just said.
0: Right. And I think most from, from the folks we talked to on the podcast and in the book, there's different theories, but I think most of them don't think it's a global government conspiracy, but it's it's definitely a suppression of of reports and and things like that that's that are going on out there. Yeah, because if it's not it does, good for
5: it, our government, it's not going to be good for uh, a foreign government either.
1: Yeah, it doesn't need to be a grand government conspiracy. It just needs to be a standard operating procedure amongst whether you're a a a, uh, a national forest ranger or whether you're a state forest ranger, any Department of Interior employee. Certainly, we've heard Battle Mountain. Uh, we've heard those first person primary source accounts from Battle Mountain that say, I was there. I saw this creature kind of thing. I saw the three letter agencies that were there uh, and Mount St. Helens as well. Um, So yeah, I have no doubt that they've collected a body, but I've told people in order to, you have to make government move from their position or they're not going to move. The reason the government moved on UFOs is not because of podcasts like this. The reason they moved is because Luis Elizondo who was Pentagon director of the program, came out and started speaking. Christopher Mellon, who was undersecretary of defense for intelligence, came out and started speaking. They brought forward Navy pilots who then went to the New York Times and the New York Times posted a story. Boom. Now we forced, not we, they forced them to react to UFOs. There isn't even, not even close to that kind of pressure for them to react to Bigfoot, and I'm not sure that it would be good if they did. For big for the Bigfoots in these 49 states, if they if if we did have a Lou Elizondo and Bigfoot who forced them to admit it, I think the consequences would somehow change the Bigfoot's ecosystem or their way of life, and there'd be more people looking for them, and that might not that could end in violence. There, you never know. I don't think it's worth it to shift that paradigm. Uh, Money, Nathan.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you guys have nailed it. I think. I think that's the reason. Um, you know, it's it's too complicated to talk about it. Uh, they may not have all the answers either, and <laughs> to just just acknowledge it. You got to answer. You got to then answer all these questions. It's just like what what happened with this whole balloon fiasco and these objects they shot down. It's like you know now. Oh, now i now got to answer these questions and. Well, I, I, well, we couldn't, we couldn't find it. We just stopped, we stopped searching for it. So yeah, I mean, that's, you know, end of story, case closed, uh, we're done. And, you know, they just don't want to have to talk about it unless they really have to. So, um, and, you know, I, I agree with the things that you said earlier too, DJ, it's, you know, probably for their own benefit that, that they're just kind of left alone. Um, you know,
0: I think the only thing I worry fine. about uh, with, <laughs> with, with being left alone is, I mean, six, I think still 60% of the U.S. is un, un, uninhabited, which is great. But I think as population increases, you know, I mean, not only Bigfoot, but any and all animals, all creatures that aren't, you know, Homo sapiens are going to be in jeopardy. And I think we're going to continue to do that. I think that's the only thing that I worry about, not bringing it out, is, is that, you know, they're doing fine now. And we still have, you know, again, 60% of the land that's not inhabited. But it's getting smaller, you know.
1: You yeah, know that's right point. Tim. I was going to say time things change with time. So we can only talk about we're looking at a a snapshot in time of our lives. That's all we have to work with. You're right. Things could change in the future where that becomes untenable because we've just taken up every bit of farmland. But then you're going to have problems with crops and, you know, feeding people and vegetation and everything else. But you're right. That that paradigm could shift in in an area where something does need to be done for them because they're being starved out of uh, their resources. That's possible. But don't
4: you think just the fact that they do suppress it and that they have for so long, that kind of tells you some things. I mean, if this were just an undiscovered primate, why wouldn't they acknowledge it? It would just be another part of the wildlife. It would just be like, Oh, here's a new species of primate. That's in North America. They didn't suppress the existence of the gorilla they right. acknowledge that gorillas exist so why why is this different
1: actually and king kong too <laughs> you know in godzilla i mean they came out with that i don't see why this is yeah i'm sorry go ahead Dana.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, that was deb i actually oh, deb, had I'm something sorry. if i just want to point out in this lovely book called ufo rabbit hole it was brought up that the gorilla was initially ignored and not believed in until the late right. 1800s when they finally got a body, even though indigenous people said it existed. So it was not that long ago that we even admitted that gorillas existed. And, and in the chat, um, someone mentioned the giant squid. You know, that was no one was acknowledging that existed. Even the platypus that was mentioned also in Kelly Chase's book. They didn't want to acknowledge it. Um, But I do think that there is another element to this, that the fact that we are, as a population, just running to get our DNA tested, and a lot of people are, you know, questioning our ancestry, I think that might be another factor to consider. Um, Because not only in, like, hearing about Bigfoot, but also in hearing about non-human intelligence, people are always saying, oh, I hear there's some human DNA mixed in there. So I think that might be a factor. I know that's a little conspiratorial, but I, I'm intrigued by the fact that I am hugely Neanderthal. <laughs> like, I don't know why. What? Like, what are you going to tell us? That's why I'm she like, has incredible strength. I know. Ah. I, have, I have an excessive amount of Neanderthal DNA. And there's some populations on the Earth where they don't know where their DNA come from. Like, they just have chunks that they don't know the ancestry of. So that could be a potentially part of it. Like, the, again, it goes to that ego that we have as humans. Like, we're like, oh, we're, we're you know, the top dogs, blah, blah, blah. And people don't want to admit that there might be something else like a big hairy primate <laughs> that's involved in all that.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I agree with you. And I think that um, it, it confronts us with ethical questions that we're not ready to wrestle with. And, and you're seeing this happen, too, with a lot of other studies that are going on now that are taking a harder look at different animals and the tools that they create or the potential language which they might have. Uh, And if if we kind of go down that path and go, oh, well, like certain octopus or squid like they seem to have a culture, they seem like they, they seem to be intelligent uh, or dolphins, whatever, like then we have to go, well, can we eat them? You know, like, like, is this okay for us to like dominate them in the way that we have? And I, so I think in some ways we've been, we've inherited a lot of thinking about the world from, uh, you know, sort of the, the dawn of nat- naturalism and colonialism, which were sort of happening at the same time, The you know, British empire kind of taking over everything, taking all these artifacts back to the, you know, to the British museum, like, you know, like essentially, um, You know, kind of ruling over the, having dominion over the world, and putting humans at the very top of this pyramid to just sort of do with the world as we as we please, right? And that kind of uh, being, thinking, and doing has like terrible ramifications, of which we're now starting to see the results of that. Like that that thinking, that behavior is coming home to roost, and we have to. We're now wrestling with those consequences environmentally. Uh, and I think with these areas uh, as well, and we're going to continue to do that. I mean, they're, they're they're trying to develop AI right now that's going to listen to animal sounds and communications in in the hopes of translating that to some kind of language, where we might even be able to communicate with animals through an AI interpretation, AI interpreter. Wow. So I mean, this is where we're headed, and it's, it's going to really cause a lot of interesting and difficult questions for us. A lot of introspection, I think, for the human for the human species. Can
4: you wow.
5: imagine like we could know what our cats are talking
4: about? You may not want to know, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> According to the intent that AI creates for them.
5: Oh!
4: Yeah, that's true. Matthew, I mean,
2: now. you know, you, just because uh, they can listen doesn't mean they're going to get that. They're going to understand, right? Right, or, right. Um, that's yeah, pretty crazy, even amongst
1: though. us, we can listen and not hear. Exactly. Or hear and not listen. You know, absolutely. Even amongst, and we speak the same language. All right, so uh, we're running out of time, but I want to get. I, Tim and Dana, have a topic that we can all consider, and we'll kind of do this quick hitter fashion. Please go ahead, ma'am and sir.
0: Oh, I guess I, I'll do one.
5: I yeah, do one. Is yeah, yeah. One? you do it. Okay. You yeah.
1: already I already have had, You guys are going to get one together, so you got to agree on this. Yeah, one. this is
0: together. No, we are right? yeah, together we on this. Yeah, all right. Yes. So, <laughs> if you're sitting around the dinner table, I think it's now, and I don't know if it's because of what just came out recently, but I think uaps ufos seem to be more accepted than than the actual possibility of bigfoot in the common world why do you guys think that is
1: okay so why are ufos more accepted than bigfoot in the common world Mm -hmm. okay uh i'm gonna let uh, let's let uh, let's go matt deb's and then uh myself and money Mm -hmm.
4: I think it all comes down to ego. I think uh, more people are willing to accept that we're not the only intelligent things in the entire universe where they're not willing to accept that, hey, there's these giant hairy things that live right under our noses and we don't know about it. Um, (laughs) I really think that's what it boils down to uh, at the end of the day. Did he say I had
0: some hair under my
4: nose? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right, right. Here, hold on. I'll get it. I'll get it.
3: (laughs) Debs. Okay, so um, I, I keep doing hashtag Bigfoot in the city because I am not an outdoors person. But <laughs> so UFO. Yeah, I thought you we <laughs> I were going to go in the woods in Maryland and do some I'm bushcraft skills. If there's a All mosquito, right. I don't even go in my backyard. Okay, so <laughs> I honestly think that because the UFO can be seen anywhere, like over water, over cities, whether or not you're outdoorsy, you know that it kind of comes to us bigfoot is something people kind of have to go to if that makes sense that yeah. does that does make sense
0: and deb we're neighbors if you're in maryland we live in delaware
3: sweet maybe you have a forest that doesn't have mosquitoes i can visit to go <laughs> no <through>. no. <laughs> no we're close to the water
1: so we we'll oh, water that. everywhere <laughs> mosquito nanning over the hat um so, I mean, I, I've already actually answered this question in my in the previous uh, time when I spoke. Uh, we're humans, and we believe what we see in most cases, unless we're talking about our religious preferences. Uh, what what we consider God or call God in different religions, call them something else. So, we just talked about a major, major event that put UFOs in everybody's face. So now. Uh, all these, uh, the, the Pentagon director, Christopher Mellon, they're on 60 Minutes, they're on CNN, they're on Fox News, they're on MSNBC. So now everyone and and 30 pages of legislation. So that's why Bigfoot <laughs> UAPs are more accepted. If we were to turn that 180 degrees around and Lou Elizondo said there is a Bigfoot, I have evidence of it. I'm going to bring you in uh, these army guys, you know, we're going to show you video, whatever the case may be. Everything that he did, Christopher Mellon, a couple of army guys instead of pilots that that interacted with one or shot or killed one, uh, and then it's in the New York Times. Everybody would believe Bigfoot exists, and they would still doubt UFOs. That's my that's my take on it. Money.
2: Yeah, totally agree. Um, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but there, like society and human beings, like we need official permission to be interested in something. Like so, when we have. Uh, government officials. We have uh, anything that that any voice that is looked at as a voice of authority saying there's a there there. Then that then we look at that and go oh, well. I guess we have permission now to like talk about it. like I've always been interested in it. I didn't want to bring it up before, but it sounds like we can say that out loud and I'm not going to get funny looks. So like that's a huge uh, reason why they're you know more accepted. I think that. Um, you know, there are other aspects of UAP that make them easier to accept as well. And that's, there's a, um, like, our, our sort of, uh, our, our, our infatuation with technology, like, it really is connected to UAP, uh, this, um, you know, otherworldly advanced species with incredible technology that can do things that. We can only imagine it, it would be like magic to us. Like that's oh, that's super appealing. It appeals to uh, our sense of our need for power, our uh, you know need need for control. Um, it it also kind of dovetails with our like existential dread. Maybe they have cures for our terrible diseases. Maybe they can solve our energy crisis. Maybe they you know so there's a lot of things about UAP that I think make uh, folks feel good about exploring. Um, but I would argue that. This, as DJ's pointed this out too tonight, that they, the UAP issue does, I think, drive begin driving a wedge into consensus reality that, that makes room for these other experiences that, that people have. And we then have to begin, we begin questioning everything that we think that we know, everything that we, we thought was uh, possible or not possible. Things begin, kind of everything gets put back on the table. We go, well, maybe there is something to this, Uh, you know, and I think that that, that's the real positive way to look at this, that uh, we're on the cusp of new kind of discoveries and it's going to change, going to shake us out of our like stupor uh, that we've been in for for a while. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just like this is just, you know, thinking that we knew everything. Well, I mean, this is how paradigm shifts happen, right? Like they basically hit you like a meteor from nowhere, like your, your world is... Is totally changed. You know, think of nine eleven. Think of COVID. Like these are things that happen to us, and and we think, oh, well, that could never happen. You know, a banking crisis or a pandemic like that. That could never happen. But then it happens, and we have to like our entire world changes as a result. So I think that um, you know UAP and Bigfoot and I mean a host of other things are are doing that, and uh, and it's ultimately a good thing, although it does create a lot of you know difficult maybe some sleepless nights for some folks kind of having to wrestle with, with these things. Nathan,
1: I want to just come back on two things. I think the popular 2023 human that you're talking about is that person who, who uh, reads popular science and popular mechanics and is so connected to the tech aspect of it. There's so many, because everybody has an iPhone, everyone has a a tablet or an iPad or, you know, and so that whole aspect of the UAP uh, is written right into those pages of popular mechanics where we in some cases fantasize about technologies that don't even exist yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that's what you're talking about. The second thing I wanted to ask you about, um, Mm -hmm. let me see if I remember. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I lost what it was. There was something I Oh, I wanted you to recite if you would for Tim and Dana, basically what Lou Elizondo said, uh, about the, what if everything, if you remember hmm. that speech yes. that he gave, right. and yeah. Tim and Dana, do you know who Lou Elizondo is?
5: No, no.
2: I don't know until uh, okay. I, so I start listening to him. Well, you guys I think talk you already
5: him. mentioned yeah. it before. Yeah.
1: Okay, Nathan will go ahead and
2: yeah. So just, uh, real quickly, and I'll paraphrase. So, and Lou Elizondo was the director of a program inside the Pentagon that that looked at UFOs and investigated UAP, and he came forward and and secretly, that, yeah, that, yeah, secretly he came forward publicly and acknowledged that this was a thing we were doing. Um, he's been a, a staunch advocate for, uh, you know, getting us to explore this more explicitly and getting Congress and, and our government to take it seriously. Um, anyway, on one of the podcasts, many his many appearances, he talks about the uh, way in which UAP will change like, everything that we think we know. And I think that B- Bigfoot does that, too. Like it, it kind of rewrites the things that we thought we knew to be true. And it it confronts us in our hubris or thinking that we had it all figured out. And and then when we realize we didn't have it all figured out and that that it's not as simple as, you know, humanity being sort of like the top of the food chain and and the most intelligent species there is. And to then going from there to like, well, no, there are like lots of intelligent species that are out there, uh, not, you know, some more intelligent than humans, some a little less intelligent or maybe similarly intelligent. And what does that mean for everyone? It changes everything. It changes our entire relationship to the natural world. Uh, it, it, it reopens and uh, the, the deeper sort of uh, conversations that, that we have about our beliefs and the afterlife. I and mean, there are a whole kind of host of things that, that change because of this discovery. Um, and, you know, think about other discoveries that have done this for us as well. You know, discovering... When the west discovered you know the americas and everything i mean it totally changed the way we thought about the world the world um yeah and it changed it changed the west it changed the people who live who lived here before you know the west got here uh, in very bad ways for for them um and you know everything was different after that so i i think that we We've kind of forgotten that that can still happen, right? I think that, that that's really the lesson here. We've forgotten that that can still happen. That these huge changes can still occur, and and we've gotten really comfortable with this incremental change. That we just like, well, we're just like, we'll learn a little something new, and like our PhDs, like they'll they'll learn a little new thing about you know quantum something or whatever. And it's but it's just like this incremental change. We we don't we don't believe that a uh, sort of tectonic shift can occur in the in what we know, what we think we know, uh, that could rewrite everything. And I think that that's um, the potential, uh, and I would argue is the the the, the potential of these topics.
1: I, I want to, and I'll put you guys up on the screen. Real, it's it's very thought provoking. But to give a little bit of further context, if we were to take the person in the government who's come public of all the people that have the most information about cryptids. Paranormal and ufology, and I'll include Bigfoot in Encrypted. Right, Lou Elizondo is the most knowledgeable person, the most read in person to come public who quit his job in the Pentagon because they wouldn't allow him to brief uh, Secretary of uh, Defense, I believe, James Mattis at the time. So he quit in protest because they wouldn't let him brief him on what he knew. The jarring things that he said about this that that make any but any of us uncomfortable is he said, what if everything that your parents told you, that your teachers told you in school, that what your pastors told you is not how it really is. Now, what he knows <laughs> and what he's been informed that caused him to say that, we can only guess because he hasn't, he's not going to break his NDA and put himself in jail. But it's very jarring when you say, what if everything you learned was true was not really how it is. And that, so if you apply that, if you extrapolate that out to Bigfoot, that is the mindset that somebody like me who hasn't been in this very long, uh, I I mean, I'm studying it harder than I'm studying UFOs. I'll put it to you that way. But I come into it being, we don't know everything. We think a lot of things. And there are a lot of things that are evident. There's a lot of evidence that may, that that we can draw conjecture from and say, this is evident about this creature. What's beyond that? Don't know. So with that, I give you guys some stuff to think about. Let's go with Cabby. Goodbye.
4: Starting with Matthew. Now it's been great. Really enjoyed this one. It was nice meeting the two of you. I hope uh, the Bigfoot conversation continues in the future between us. Um, Yeah. I'm just kind of sitting here in awe of the conversation that's just taking place here. (laughs) And, uh, I really enjoyed talking to you guys.
5: Definitely a lot different than our normal conversations for sure. Yeah, For sure. Yeah.
1: Um, but you know what, before I go to Debs, I would like you guys to just talk about, uh, I'll, I'm going to put your website Julie typed it up here. Uh, there it is. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Nathan. You got it. Go ahead and do what you just did. Uh, and go ahead and please promote everything you guys got going on. It's all going to be in the show notes, everything that you've given us, but
0: please go ahead and speak about it. Sure. Um, so the, you know, if you go to the bigfootinfluencers.com, I I try to keep that updated with how you can buy the book, how you can follow the podcast, uh, continuously work on, on trying to get some, some, some influencers data in there so we can connect the world with all of the other folks like Matt and folks that are out there. um, and, you know, if you go to YouTube, go to, to the Untold Radio Network uh, and you'll find our podcast as well as eight or nine of them. And there's there's all kinds of podcasts. There's not just Bigfoot podcast. So, again, it's uh, Doug Hachek, who who Deb actually was the first to capture the giant squid in. Uh, on film and living in its natural habitat. So that's pretty so. That's Doug Hijack, who's, 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 and and, awesome. and sons, Blaine and, and Alex. So yeah, Alex, just go to BigfootInfluencers.com yep. and you can find us.
5: Yeah. And our podcast is mainly, it's just introducing the world to all of the people in the world of Bigfoot who have an influence. And so you get to know these people, you know, we crack up with them, you get to know a little bit about their personal lives, but then, you know, we hear their witness experience. um, And so you're just getting to know the, the researchers and the influencers. And we, our approach to it is, at least mine is, is to come at it from like, kind of like, so people who are new into the subject can easily watch it. But at the same time, it's not boring to people who already know a lot of stuff already.
1: I love your questions. You guys worked hard to get keep Jeff Meldrum on track and make sure that he's uh, saying it for the lowest common denominator. I I, I felt your pain as a podcaster. I was in the gym working out, listening to it. it was great. Uh, and he's awesome. He's so he, is awesome. he is awesome. I love him. I want to get him on the show. I really do. Um, so, Debs, uh, go with your cabbie goodbyes, please, ma'am.
3: Yes. I wanted to say, um, thank you for coming. Um, you guys are amazing. I'm really intrigued by what you've done with the book. I'm probably going to end up <laughs> buying that even though I said I would <laughs> stop buying books. Um, and I, I hope that you are going to come back one day to talk to us cause I'd like to know a little bit more about the conferences and just all the data that you guys are getting. I love data.
5: Yes. yes. Dad, <laughs> it was nice meeting you.
3: Yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's been awesome um, having you guys with us and uh, and I know you guys study influencers and and promote them, but you've influenced us tonight and I really appreciate that. Um, You know, it's inspiring to see the work that you're doing and it's really cool to see the chemistry that you have. Uh, It's not often where you find a couple that is both into the same thing, like about with these kinds of topics. Um, at least I speak from my own experience in that regard. Uh, well, my they wife's do say toddlers.
5: couples <laughs> who Bigfoot together stay together.
2: <laughs> I love Woo! that. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that, that that's true. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's really exciting. And uh, we're, we're rooting for you guys, pulling for you and excited for the things that you'll do. Looking forward to the second book, uh, Tim, that you're working on. And uh, here's to some bigger acknowledgements. Hopefully we get Yay. that kind of validation that that we're hoping for.
5: Thanks, Nathan.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
2: Yeah. And, uh, for
1: finally, I want to say, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you guys came in the chat. Uh, you asked great questions. We connected after the show on, on DM, uh, and for people who are rookies like us, you know, that other than Matt, I mean, we don't really know very much. Nathan introduced me to the Bigfoot topic. I was completely caught off guard through my entire world into a a spin. I was like, Oh my God, I got to find out and try to understand Bigfoot. And I'm enjoying so much but for
0: yes sir. If you get the book, DJ, yes sir. It'll it'll bring you into the into the world.
1: I will (laughs) I will I will get the book, my friend. I I need I need to read my I actually just bought one that that we had Terry Wendell on and we bought the one about the Meadow project in Alabama. I just started reading that one but I I will get your book as well and read your book. But but uh no thank you. I really appreciate Mm -hmm. like I said you guys taking our show seriously, coming in the cab, seeing how, how we do it and, and just acknowledge
5: awesome. your energy. Love it. Love it because when I try to get all energetic and happy, Tim like starts kicking me under the <laughs> table, like stop being so goofy, but I love your energy.
1: Thank you so much, man. We mm-hmm. just try to do a show. That's us. And it, the reason why uh, is uh, it's authentic. You know what Nathan's doing? He's not, He's not giving you anything extra. He's just doing him, Debs. Same thing with Matt, who's a, a new cabbie here, and myself. This is just me. You know what I mean? And That's I, cool. you know, I just just to you know suffix. I mean, I had a sighting in 1982 of a UFO. I didn't talk about it for my entire Air Force career. My wife didn't even know. Uh, my my brother and my father didn't even know. My mother didn't know. So, because I didn't think anybody would believe me. So, you know, I'm one of the people that would, you know, it, it, you know, that, that you would be bringing into the light, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's been a great to be able to come and talk about it and not be ashamed, you know? So, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks and we'll, guys. You know, it was great being you here. This thank you. Amazing. Yeah. We <laughs> will, we will speak to you again. And, uh, for, uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Knapp for Debs for money, Nathan and for Tim and Dana, this is DJ saying peace.
5: Bye guys. One love. <laughs>
1: we'll see you. We'll see you down the road and we always
0: wonder what's up around the bend. Take care guys. Thanks again for having us so much. (laughs)